Alaska Anchorage came into Amherst for the first time ever, and UMass swept them out of the building with 14 goals, 11 of them in Game 1. We're recapping all of the action and breaking down the first half of the season, so let's go. Trevino shoots, he scores! McCart, one-timer, Bollinger fires, he shoots, he scores! UMass does it again! Watch out! Watch out! High Character. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 103 of High Character. UMass closed out the first half of their season with a home series against the Alaska Anchorage, their first ever meeting with the squad, and they took both games. They swept Alaska Anchorage out of the building 11-2 to in game one, the most goals UMass has ever scored against a D1 opponent. 3-2, to a real tight one uh, on the second game on Friday, but overall, they get the sweep, close out the first half on a high note my name is cameron and once again i'm joined by my good pal evan evan how you doing man dude i i never expected you know when we're when we're in the double or the triple digits now of an episode number right i didn't expect it to almost look like a umass score line like you know what i mean like it could have been 10-3 it was actually 11-2 if we had nine more episodes under our belt we would have had the exact same score line as an episode number that would have been crazy to me but Obviously, I'm feeling pretty good. If you have an 11 to 2 win, you're going to feel pretty good. And yeah, this is going to be kind of a weird one to recap because we have a lot of goals to talk about. Like, I'm hoping we won't be here forever. We might have to change some stuff around to, to fit it all in into a, a nice, concise episode. But yeah, man, I'm feeling great. You know, I wasn't there for the second game, but I sure as hell picked the good game to go to. So, you know, being at the first one was definitely a highlight of the weekend for sure. Yeah, it was a really, really fun time. Um, got a little hairy, a little scary there at the end of the second game, but UMass is able to pull through. Um, Alaska Anchorage really looked like two different teams between Friday and Saturday night, but we'll get into all those all those details. Like Evan said, we're going to try to go a little quicker through that 11-goal game. Um, a lot of videos out there, highlights you can watch for these goals, and I think you should because it's the most goals we've ever scored against a D1 opponent. That's pretty crazy and historic. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just jump right into it. Going into Friday's game, a little bit of a different look on the lineup. Michael Cameron finally back. I think he missed three or four games with an injury. Mm -hmm. Finally back slots in on that top line. And uh, spoiler, he would put, he would play uh, immediate dividends. Nick Van Tassel and Cam O'Neill getting some time on the fourth line. We haven't seen too much of them this season. And Cole Brady getting the start. We theorized that it might happen with Rabel having a bit of a, a downturn there. Yeah, a couple, couple lineup changes and definitely helped out in the immediate. Yeah, I mean, I really wouldn't even call it, like, that much of a downturn for Rabble. Like, I mean, it was a 2-1 loss, you know what I mean? And, like, a, a couple of those, like, I wouldn't even say they were really his fault. Like, you know, yeah. it, is, it is what, but, I mean, if anything, it would have been more of a, like, he might be going to the World Juniors. Like, we still, I'm pretty sure the Czech Republic is the only team that we haven't heard their uh, their roster come out yet. Like, Loschmelis is going with Latvia. Um is that the only person from UMass? I think so. It's probably going to be Loschmelis and Rabble most likely because, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have any crazy stud Americans or Canadians really. Um, So, yeah, definitely, you know, feels like you want to give, you know, maybe Rabble a little bit of rest. You know, he's going to be playing for the next, let's say, maybe what, a month or so overseas mostly. Actually, I don't even know if it's overseas. I don't remember where the World Juniors are this year. But um, point is that we got Cole Brady in that. He's going to have to play a pretty, a pretty big part over the next, you know, month or so. You know, he hasn't seen a ton of game time over the course of the season yet, which is a little bit against the grain of what we might have expected. Like, we knew it was going to be Frabble's net eventually, but I think he's taken the net over much sooner than we all had anticipated. So, 
to see Cole Brady get some time in, I was pretty happy with it because I'm still on the Cole Brady, you know, believer train. I still think he's a very solid tendy. People kind of disparage him a little bit. I don't I don't like that personally. Mm-hmm. I think those guys that that talk ill of him are a little crazy, but we did see him in this first game and I think he played pretty well. Yeah, and my, my comments in travel were more relating to that Harvard game. Um he played oh, he did play pretty well against Vermont, just uh his last five or so games hasn't been as all world as he was in yeah. the very first part of the season. So not a not a bad opportunity to slot Cole Brady and especially with the world juniors implications like you mentioned there. Um, yeah, that, that was the, the lineup changes before this game and UMass just immediately erupts in this one. I'm going to go through all of the goals they scored in the first period. And then I'm going to give you the chance to, uh, kind of comment on what you see fit. So immediately I mentioned Michael Cameron slotting back into the lineup. He finds himself on the receiving end of a pass from Ryan Lauten back all the way from the opposite goal line, um, goes all the way up to the blue line and really nice receive from Michael Cameron corrals it with one hand basically gets a breakaway and does his kind of patented move there to score on the breakaway, makes it one nothing. Second goal, UMass gets a three-on-two. Idar Suniyev skates in with the puck, and he just does a, a little uh, back move at the face-off circle. He buys himself a little space out front. He just nips one home, makes it 2 nothing pretty quickly. Ryan Elfko, Elfko scored the, first one, the third goal on the power play. I believe it was... Um, was it the only power play goal on the night? I'm not sure. Ooh, let me double oh, the only check. the only power play goal in the first period. They had two power they, play goals yeah. in the third. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he finds himself with a lot of space on the power play. Uh, maybe the first piss missile of the season. It's a one timer slap shot from him to make it three nothing. Um, Nick Van Tassel uh, is behind the net and he dishes a pass to Cam O'Neill in front for a really nice fourth goal of the year. A um, couple of freshmen connecting there on that one, which was pretty cool. First collegiate point for Van Tassel. We saw Cam O'Neill get his first goal already. And then the fifth one of the period, just a really nifty behind-the-back no-look pass from Jack Musa on the three-on-one. He sets up Lushmelis with all the space in the world, and Lushmelis nips one home. So all of that happened in the first period. It might have been even more lopsided than the score indicates with the possession and everything like that. But, wow, we were we were feeling pretty good after this period. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of eating my words a little bit because I, I forget which episode it was. It might have been the previous episode or might have been a couple before that. But I remember making a distinct point of us not dominating games in recent memory. Like, I'm talking like, you know, stuff like this, like a 5 nothing period. We're just, there's nothing that I could even possibly think of happening that would mean that we would lose this game. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like in most games that we play, It's the game of hockey. You know, anything can happen, you know, a lesser opponent or quote unquote lesser opponent, you know, pairwise implications or whatever. They they could beat us on any given night. There was no chance after this first period that I feel like we could have lost this game. We looked like just absolutely insane. I think we looked really good, but I mean, I'm not here to disparage Alaska Anchorage, but they did not look good at all in this period. Like I'm pretty sure or Walsh, you know, their, their first tendy that was in, Whale. He got yanked. Yeah, sorry, Whale. Walsh, where the hell did that come from? Whale. Um, he got yanked, I think, like seven shots in, and he let in three goals off seven yep. shots or something right crazy after, like that. Right after the third goal, he got yanked. Yeah, and I mean, like, the other goalie admittedly wasn't much better, but he was basically just sent out there to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? They yeah. just basically said, get us through this game. Good luck, bro. And, yeah, we just – it was pure domination, and that's what I like to see. You know what I mean? I want a nice, calm, comfortable hockey game. 
it didn't really look like, you know, at least in this first period, they were not much of a threat at all in either zone. You know what I mean? Like we were just getting zone entry after zone entry after zone entry. And we could basically just play however the hell we wanted with them. You know what I mean? Like the skill guys were pulling off skillful moves. The big powerful guys were playing really good down low. Michael Cameron was a huge addition coming back. Like, like you said, you know, three minutes into his return after being off for a couple weeks with, I think it was a hip injury. I don't remember. That sounds right. But him coming back and seeing his, his speed back in full force, that was what we were missing on that first line. Like, I, I feel like, you know, he doesn't really jump out of the page, you know, for me, like in terms of like, you know, crazy scoring or anything like that, at least this season, I'm actually double checking as, as you know, I'm, I'm looking this up right now, but I don't think he's doing anything like crazy points wise on the season. And yeah, I mean, he's averaging about a half a point per game, three, three goals, three assists, 14 games played. But, you know, he, he's kind of the thing that makes that top line tick just like with his speed, like he, he opens up a lot more space for the other guys on the team. And that was a perfect pass from Lautenbach to get it done. So very happy to see that. I think, you know, the whole period was awesome, but I think that first goal really summed it up well for us. Yeah, that was really nice. UMass had 19 shots in this period. Good Lord. Uh, it just gives you an idea of how lopsided it was. And we heard rumblings uh, going into this one that it was a really tough travel schedule for Alaska Anchorage. It took them over 24 hours to get to Amherst. Uh, <laughs> heard they didn't have a great practice the, the day before. Um, some jet lag definitely might have might have played a factor there, but they, yeah, you're right. They they just looked pretty lost, um, allowing very easy zone entries. It was it was pretty easy time for UMass, but um, something must have got said in the locker room because just 10 seconds into the second period, we see them skate in with the puck, uh, win the faceoff, skate in with the puck, and Maximilian Helgeson. What a uh, name! He, he just snipes one home, short side. That made it five-one. A quick little uh, answer from Alaska Anchorage in the second. Yeah, I mean, I was I was expecting something along these lines. I mean, any any reasonable individual would assume that we might be taking our foot off the gas a little bit here. You know what I mean? You're up five goals. It, this, you know, you're going right before you know a big break. You know, a month long break. We're basically just kind of in the mode of like, hey, we got our win. You know, let's let's kind of hang out a little bit, you know, not overexert ourselves. Don't get injured. Don't do anything crazy. In the same vein, though, you got to play some solid defense. If I remember this correctly, I'm pretty sure Ryan Ufko might have had one of the weakest defensive plays I've ever seen. Like literally could have plastered this guy up against the boards and instead just kind of gave him a little little, eh, little shove. You know, like it was basically nothing. He bounced off like a, you know, basically like it was absolutely nothing. And we we, we paid for it. So it sucks to see. But it doesn't end up making, you know, a major difference in the grand scheme of things, but it's definitely one that I think everybody would have wanted back a little bit. Yep. And they, they had another goal in this period too. Um, just kind of skating in along the goal line, tucked it near side on Brady. It was really nice goal from them. Like absolutely no space at all. Just put it over his shoulder right in the top corner of the net. So that was their second goal of the game. Pretty nice look. I mean, nothing Brady could have done about that one. Yeah, again, I mean, I just feel like, you know, it's it, it kind of a case of realistically like a broken clock is right twice a day. You know what I mean? Like they got two goals, but other than that, they looked pretty, pretty horrendous. You know what yeah. I mean? So, I mean, you know, they got there too, but I think uh, when you score 11 goals, you know, you're you're putting yourself in a pretty good spot to succeed. And we ended up getting a couple goals this period as well. So we, we definitely equalized it out. Yeah, we did. If anything, this was the period of the game where the, the game looked most even. Um, there were two goals for each team in this period, uh, and Alaska didn't look nearly as bad as it did in the first. But for UMass's two goals, 
we see Scott Morrow put a puck on net. The puck kind of just lands in the in the crease. It's there for a while. Idar Suniev is the guy to clean it up and tap it in. Um, kind of a kind of a weird goal. The crowd didn't really realize what was happening at the moment, but uh, counts just the same as all the rest. And then uh, the second goal of the season, Taylor McCarr. Um, he's just skates in. I'm trying to pull the video from this one up right now. Uh, let's. See. I can describe it for you if you want. I have it pulled up right here. Oh, this it, is the this is the dude, awful turnover one. Like the, the, it's not even, dude. When I if you look at the box score right and you don't watch this game, it goes <laughs> down and the box score is unassisted. That is the biggest lie I have ever seen in my entire life. I, I'm trying to check and see who actually passed this from from their team because I want to point him out and give him one of the biggest assists I've ever seen ever. <laughs> like, let me hold on. Can we? Oh, they yeah, cut, they cut, yeah, I'm trying to see who it was. I can't see. But. So, yeah, so basically Alaska Anchorage had the puck in their defensive zone along the sideboards, just turned and fired the puck towards the middle, and Taylor McCarr is right there. He's like, okay, thank you. Skates right in and yeah. just went home. I'm, I'm actually – I have it right here. It was number – I think it was 79. I can't pronounce his last name, but it's – uh. I'm re- this is really important. That's why I'm really trying to make sure this is good. It, sh- shackle, I think it is. Like, like I, I can't tell. It's it, S-C-H-A-C-H-L-E. There's way too many C-H's together. But, yeah, he, he basically is shackling his team against the boards and is not letting them play hockey because he just gives it to Makar, who just gracefully slots into the back of the net. Great goal. But, yeah, I wouldn't call it unassisted by any stretch of the imagination. It was an absolute gift from Alaska Anchorage. So very happy to see that. Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, we go into the second intermission, seven to two. Um, not much doubt about this game. This is actually pretty even in shots. Uh, Alaska Anchorage actually had nine shots to UMass's eight. So definitely Ooh. a much more even look, but that flipped right back. The ice tilted yet again towards uh, towards UMass in this third period. We saw four goals this time from the boys. The first one, really cool goal. Puck pops in the air. Donzel Schmelis jumps up and catches it, pops it down to his stick, immediately nips one home. Really cool goal there. Um, maybe maybe a little bit more on that one later. Next one, uh, see Jack Musa doing what he does best. Suniev uh, with an intentional pass to him, kind of makes it look like a slap shot, passes to Musa who tips it home. We've seen uh, Musa's tips out in front. That'd be kind of like the, the best part of his game so far earlier this season. Um, he's elite with those tips out in front. The third goal of the period, Taylor McCarr. Um, we see Cole O'Hara with another nifty behind-the-back pass from behind the net. Just puts it right in front on Taylor's stick perfectly. A lot of open net. Taylor's able to just tap that one home. And then the fourth goal of the period and the 11th of the night, we see Scott Morrow dancing in the offensive zone. It's what he does best. Just fires a wrister far side, nips it home. Uh, absolutely no selly on his part. He, he straight-faced it just uh, – skated and glided right into the boards that made it 11 to two UMass. And that is the score that held. So uh, what an offensive outburst from the boys here, something we've literally never seen before. Yeah. I think, I think Moro Selly kind of, kind of sums up the game as a whole. Like it was just, we were just a different class of opponent. It seemed like, like genuinely, I mean, it looked like an exhibition game. Like you would have like, you know, a bunch of school children against like, you know, legends of like, of like a, like a certain sport or something like that. It was just not even close, but yeah, I think the goal that I would probably highlight here was was Lochmelis's goal because I feel like Lochmelis has been a little bit under the radar recently. Like he doesn't really put up you know insane numbers in you know like the goals or assists category, 
he had himself, I think it would be a, this was a two goal night for him. I don't know if he had any points in the second game, but he put up two really, really nice goals, you know what I mean, in this game. And I feel like that's something that we haven't seen a whole lot from him. You know, he's been more of like a face-off guy, you know, decently defensively, but, you know, he, he just hasn't really jumped out on the page. Everybody's like, oh, he's a fourth-round draft pick. This kid's going to light it up early. He's not really there just yet, but he had two really, really good goals in this game, and the one that I think was the best was definitely he's just catching the puck up right by the face-off dot, and in one fluid motion, just a perfect – I wouldn't even say like a slap shot. It was kind of like a slap pass. Like it didn't look like he put like everything behind it, but he picked the location perfectly and beat the goalie very, very fairly. So great to see that from him because, you know, he's had chances and it seems like, you know, he wasn't able to convert them all the time, but he's been kind of a a scorer of like weird goals. I feel like, you know, like I think there was one, a couple, like maybe it was like a month or two ago. It was a rant. Like he picked the guy's pocket and then just skated with the other way did not get all of it at all, like on the shot and then just trickled five ball. You know, like he isn't really scoring sexy goals per se, but he's scoring goals that are going to show up on the score sheet regardless. So very, very happy for him. And I think we're going to see a lot more out of him in the second half of the season. Yeah. You'd, you'd love to hope so. Um, a couple more notes from this game. Three guys had two goals a piece for UMass. You would have loved to see a hat trick because it was yeah. a student bucket hat giveaway night. Would have been a lot of those on the ice, but uh, three guys finish with two. We saw Nicholas Fantasel get a game misconduct in the third period. Uh, it got really chippy. Um, a lot of UMass guys ob- obviously getting beat up after uh, the frustration from Alaska Anchorage. Um, Nick Fantasel trying to stick up for a team, and he head- headbutts a guy. Haven't Can't say I've seen that in person before, no. but he uh, he straight up headbutts a guy. They go take a look at it, and he's gone. So um, pretty interesting. Uh, I don't mind it as much as – I would if it wasn't a close game. I mean, it's 11 to 2. It is what it is. Maybe, maybe just want to see him shove that guy to the ground instead next time. But um, yeah, those were two two things that I just wanted to also point out that didn't show up in the score sheet. Yeah, I mean, that was like pure frustration, right? Like, I mean, I there's there's the part of me that like I don't want to say applauds it, right? Because you don't want to ever talk about a game misconduct in a in a positive light, right? But yep. he's at least willing to like stick up for people. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they were getting chippy as is expected when you're losing 11-2. You know, these things happen. And, you know, they're getting under our skin, but that that's a freshman penalty. You know what I mean? Like, you got to show a bit more maturity when you're up by literally nine goals. Like, the game's over. You know what I mean? Like, just take it on the chin. Literally, you have the best possible rebuttal to anything that they could either say or do to you. Just point up at the scoreboard. That's all you got to do. You know what I mean? Like, that's probably the biggest ego, you know, check that you could possibly do in – you know, you're headbutting somebody with helmets on. Like, what do you, you're not hurting the guy, you know, like, what's the point? So I don't know. I think it was a little boneheaded, but in the same vein, I, I appreciate his willingness to get chippy and to get in there and, you know, stick up for other people. You know, I think, I think that's, there's a little, you know, there's good and bad with it, but yeah, at the end of the day, stupid decision from him. I, I can't say I fully condone it. Yeah, no, it's, wasn't great, but it is what it is in an 11-2 game. It's not really going to come back to hurt us. He actually sat out game two, uh, likely because of this. So um, it is what it is. Another note about this game, um, really cool moment. We were with the score as big of a margin as it was. We were able to get third string goalie Jackson Irving into the game. Uh, pretty pretty wild situation he was thrown in because immediately after he came in, UMass gave up a five-on-three power play for two minutes. Uh, that was during the major 
Um, yeah. Elliot McDermott had a holding call, made it five on three. And uh, Alaska Anchorage had a lot of chances, as you'd, as you'd expect on a five on three. And Jackson Irving held strong. Um, his first collegiate opportunity comes in that crazy of a moment, but he was able to to hold tight out there. So absolutely phenomenal job out of him right there in the third. Dude, that's freaking awesome. You know what I mean? Like, there's no other way to describe that. Like, he literally got put into, dare I say, one of the worst possible predicaments that a goalie could be in. You know, granted, you know, it would have probably been worse if it was up against, like, Michigan or, like, you know, North Dakota or something like that. Like, an actual, you know, top-tier team. But five-on-three is a five-on-three at the end of the day. And he he did what he had to do. I mean, I don't think the saves were, like, particularly, like, I don't want to say like convincing, you know what I mean? Like there was a couple where, you know, I'm not even sure if he knew where the puck was at, but his body was in the right place and he got the job done. That's all you can ask from a goalie. You know, it's not about how pretty it looks. It's about how effective he is. And he was effective. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. Very happy to see that out of him. But again, I'd like to see a bit better discipline from UMass to, you know, maybe settle in the new Tendy a little bit, you know, it just definitely wasn't doing him any favors, but you could tell, you know, everybody on the bench, everybody in the building was elated. You know, when we when we killed off that penalty, you can kind of see like Jackson Irving, like I think he had a series of saves and it got cleared out and he like looked down at the floor and he was just like, holy crap, like I'm, I'm in it right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like It's happening. But yeah, it's it's a great moment. You know, very, very good for him. Hopefully, you know, in case we need him later on in the season, you never know what could happen. I'm 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 feeling pretty good about, you know, us having three solid tendies once again. I'd say it's, you know, it's going to be similar to like a Henry Graham type situation. So very, very cool to see that for sure. Yeah, and his teammates made up for him by blocking a lot of shots during that penalty, oh, yeah. too, which was nice to see. Um, we have a quote from Coach Carville to sum up this game. He said, a lot of goals, a lot of chances. I really liked our first and third period. The second period I wasn't happy with. We took our foot off the gas, but the guys responded, and it was great to see Jackson Irving get a chance. He's a great kid, good young goalie. I don't think any goalie has ever had their first minutes in net be a five-on-three power play against, and he made some huge saves, so it was great to see him. There was a lot of offense, but we gave up a little more offense than I would have liked to see tonight. So Coach Carvel never satisfied unless we're lifting that national championship trophy. He wants to see more out of the defense after this one. And he's he's completely correct. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the mentality that you need to have as a coach. I I don't think I could come up with a better quote right now because he, he sums it up perfectly. Like, we we genuinely did not play amazing in that second period. You know, like, we gave up. I'd say one of the goals was pretty bad, but the other one I think was just a good move. You know what I mean? I, I feel like that was more on Anchorage doing well than us playing poorly. But again, just, just that overall mentality of never being satisfied is what's going to create a winning culture. You know, we've seen that already. You know, he's been our coach for seven, eight plus years now. Like we, we know what his expectations are and he's willing to, you know, put that out on record, you know? So Knowing, you know, his mentality and how he's going to, you know, prepare the boys for the second half of the season, super convinced that, you know, he's doing a great job and clearly the results are showing that. So very, very happy to see that. And uh, he's spot on as always, you know, that's why he's our coach. So great to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's about everything. Uh, sorry, we had to rush through it, but 11 goals, we'd, we'd be here for three hours if we're that going to on each one. So it's a good, it's a good problem to have. Exactly. You ready to move on to game two? Yes, sir. All right, so game two, following night, Saturday night in Amherst. Uh, lineup changes, there were two. Um, Van Tassel, uh, like I said earlier, he sat out. Bo Kosman came in for him. I think this is his first game action since opening night against AIC, so good to see him back out there. And Michael Ravel gets the net. 
A lot of people were thinking that Cole Brady might just because Travel's going to juniors are going to need Cole Brady to play back-to-back games in Lake Placid. So we thought we might see Brady back-to-back, but it is Travel. So uh, a couple interesting lineup notes there. Dude, I thought it could have been freaking Jackson Irving. Like I saw yep. he was on, he was on the uh, like the game day graphic, and you know I'm obviously not going to expect that every time, but you never know. You know what I mean? Like you know with their dominating performance, I mean I get it. You know you want to put your best foot forward in every in every match, so. I'm I'm not shocked that it wasn't Irving there, but I had I had my suspicions. But uh, yeah, I mean, Crabble being in net, it's never a bad choice, you know what I mean. But I feel like it did kind of go against the grain of expectations a little bit. But he did his job. He you know he did well when called upon. So you know I feel like I feel like we shouldn't even bother predicting these anymore because it seems like we're never right. <laughs> like there's right. always it, Carvey and I think it's Masslers who makes the end decision, but. He's like the epitome of like never let your enemy know your next move, you know, like yeah. because we never know who's going to go out there at any given night. Right. And it, yeah, it was Michael Harable. And Alaska Anchorage came out with a much better game plan. Hard to come out with a worse game plan than they came out with on Friday night. So um, it, it was only up from there. They looked pretty solid. Uh, about seven minutes into the game, they, they get their first opportunity and they score. Um, we see Scott Morrow, you mess with a lot of offensive pressure. Scott Morrow kind of pinches up when he really should have felt fall back, creates a pretty easy two on one chance for Alaska Anchorage. And they, they get the nice, easy cross crease one timer, Matt Kanash, um, fixes it up for them uh, and puts it in. So one, nothing Alaska Anchorage, a very interesting start after the game we had on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a similar situation of another goal that's probably not on Harabel. You know, like it seems like that's been the majority of his goals, at least, you know, recently. And it, kind of another case of, you know, Morrow pinching, you know, poorly timed and us paying for it. So it was kind of that quintessential UMass goal against right there, I feel like, for all mm. intents and purposes. But, you know it feels like it was going to happen at some point. You can't play perfect every night. You know what I mean? Like the, the 11 to two was definitely a, uh, you know, we were getting a little spoiled there. So I feel like we kind of came back to reality and we learned, you know, Hey, these guys aren't jet lagged anymore. They know what to expect. You know, we we have ourselves a game here. So they had to tighten it up from this point forward. They did. And they actually answered pretty quickly. Um, not even an odd man rush type situation. It's just Morrow and Mercury skating in against three Alaska Anchorage defenders uh, Morrow dumps the pass out to Mercury. He creates some space for himself, uh, and he takes a shot. He goes bar down uh, over the goaltender. Really pretty goal out of him. A nice little celly at the end of it, too. Uh, really good to see him and continue his offensive prowess this season. Dude, this goal was electric. Like, it, he, like, didn't really have a whole lot to shoot at, right? Like, he, he timed the shot really well because it looked like the goalie was a bit screened. He had his own defenseman in front of him. And there was just this very, very slight angle to shoot at. And he managed to pick it perfectly right over the Tendi's shoulder, far down. Crowd went crazy. Love to see it. Another perfect instance of Mercury just being a much different player this season. You know, it seemed like he wasn't really the the, the sniping pipe, I guess, last season. Mm-hmm. You know, he always he had that ability, but he wasn't really showing it off too much. You know, this time we've gotten some really, really nice goals out of Mercs. So, you know, I'm hoping this is like, you know, this, this is what we call character development. And I feel like this is, you know, really, really good for a guy who I think deserves it. He's been absolutely amazing. Borderline one of our best players this season. You figure probably top three. And, you know, he's been really, really good and uh, just very, very happy for him for sure. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> this game stayed tied at one for what felt like an insane amount of time. 
Um, they ended the period. That was, that happened about halfway through the period. It ended one to one. The entire second period goes by. Um, not a lot of quality scoring chances from either side. UMass really struggling to get pucks in deep and uh, create chances out in front. Alaska Anchorage was uh, smothering them in the defensive zone, their defensive zone. So um, really tough to find anything. Go one to one into the second intermission. Clock clock keeps ticking down in the third. UMass just not able to get quality chances at all. Um, I had to I had to yell a wake up at one point in this period. It kind of looked like they were just going through the motions. Then all of a sudden, less than three minutes left. Idar Suniev, who had an absolutely fantastic game one, kind of creates some space for himself, skates around an Alaska Anchorage defender all the way to the front doorstep, and he's able to put it home near side, I believe, over the goalie's shoulder to, to make it two to one UMass with less than three minutes left. And this building just went berserk. This this is what we need. All right. This type of goal right here and this type of player is what UMass has needed for I'd say a couple seasons now. You know, like this is what I thought Suniev could bring to the table. And and he did it fully. You know what I mean? Like he is meant to drive the play by himself and just score goals. And this is a perfect example of that. Just strong, composed, great shot. It doesn't get much better than that. Like I haven't seen this since Bobby. You know what I mean? Like, that's what Bobby used to do. And this guy's twice the size of Bobby Trevino, mm-hmm. so I'm hoping he can do it twice as much. You know what I mean? Like, I know Bobby was a special player, but I genuinely think that Suniev could be that guy going forward. And if we see this on a more regular basis, hockey's better get scared. You know what I mean? Because this mm-hmm. is like – this is cutter Gauthier level stuff right here. This is Macklin Celebrini level stuff, and he's not getting the same respect on his name. I I'm I feel so vindicated. You know what I mean? Just saying this is the guy to watch out for this season. You know, Idar Suniev is him, and we are seeing it in full force right here. This weekend was a perfect example of what he can bring to the table, and I'm hoping he does it, especially in the second half of the season, because this kid could be a leader. You know what I mean? He's just he's that guy. Yeah, he'd have I, I think both of us would say a bit of a slower start to the season, but he's really found his groove. Mm-hmm. Here of late, skating with a lot of confidence, shooting with a lot of confidence. I, I think the first few games he was whiffing on a lot of those one timers and those other opportunities, but he's he's really fell into his own here, and it's been great to see. Less than uh less than a minute later, after that goal that he scored, UMass, I mean, absolutely buzzing. It seems like they do this a lot this year, where they mm-hmm. are able to finally take the lid off, and then they just go crazy. Um, again, less than a minute later, Kenny Connors fires a shot on. Taylor McCarr's right there up in front to clean it up. Nobody else is on him. He had an, an electric end of this game. We'll talk about it a little bit more later. Really fun Selly with a student in the front row there. Uh, it makes it three to one, and, and we were feeling real good at this point. Dude, that student better be feeling good right now because if that <laughs> was me in his shoes, I'd be going – that that pane of glass would be on top of Kale McCarr. You know what I mean? I would be Damn. banging on that. Is that what I just said? That's what yep. he looked like. He looked like <laughs> Kale McCarr there. He, he's been absolutely killing it skating-wise. Just you know, I'm pretty sure I made that error a couple times watching the first game too. He like he's so quick, he has amazing hands. Like there, there was one point. I'm going off track here, but there was one point in the first game he was dancing in the offensive zone by himself, like skating around everybody, just out, out speed, out skill. Like his hands are the most underrated part I think of any UMass player I've ever watched in these past eight years. Like, nobody talks about how good Taylor McCarr is with the puck. I almost just said it again right there. Like, he is just such a good puck handler, and it seems like it doesn't translate to a lot of goals all the time, but 
the skill is like it's so there you know what i mean and it's just it, it everything just needs to get put together in a perfect play and you know this was not a sexy goal by any means but it's just another facet of his game that he is very very solid at i think this is only a second goal this season and i think the first goal that he got was even with the first or second goal of the season he hasn't scored since but that doesn't mean that he hasn't been a contributor you know what i mean he does all the little things he will you know out skate people to the puck on an icing or whatever like he will do whatever it takes to keep the play going and that's an amazing part of his game and to see him get rewarded here with a goal is awesome you know what i mean he fully deserves it he's been very very good this season and for him to finally get rewarded is great yeah he uh i, I believe you're right he had one coming into the series he had two uh one in each game in there the you series, go. Which, is, which is good to see um that made it three to one Alaska Anchorage pulls their goalie, and they're actually able to net another one. Oh, guys skating behind the net with the puck, um, just kind of going back and forth on Harabal, trying to cross him up. They're able to get a pass in front. Harabal's a little bit slow to get from uh, side to side in the net uh, on the, the pass in front. Makes it 3-2. to two. Uh, it, it got a little little scary. This is like with exactly one minute left, um, and with the way this game was going, it seemed like anything could happen in that final minute. But uh, solid goal on for Alaska Anchorage. I don't know to how much fault it was against Michael Harabel, but um, it counted made it three to two and got a little hairy. Yeah. I mean, kind of, kind of a stinky way to end the game when you think about it, like, you know, it, it's kind of weird how we go basically what 30 plus minutes without a goal throughout, like, yep. you know, the end of the first end of the second. And then we get, what is it? Three goals in the last three minutes or so, like in less than two minutes time. Well, welcome to the game of hockey, baby. You know what right. I mean? Like this is what it's all about, but yeah, I mean, definitely things got a little dicey towards the end, but it's good to know that, again, third period team, we have the quality to see out games, you know, and regardless of who we're up against, you know, we've seen this going up against top 10 opponents. We've seen this against, you know, bottom 10 opponents. We can close out games now. That was a big issue last season, and that was a reason why we lost a lot of games. We probably shouldn't have lost as many games as we did last season, and that's why we look so good this season. It's because we're just bringing back all the talent. But now we know how to close out games. And we have that kind of, like, a, I don't want to say like a clutch gene, maybe. I don't know. That might actually be the right way to describe it. But I mean, it's a third period team. Yeah, that's what I'm like. You know, we we were basically, anytime there was a third period, you know, last season, I was dreading it. I literally, I checked my Fitbit. My heart rate was 130 and I wanted to die every third period last year. This third period, it might, my heartbeat's still, you know, 130, but at least I'm feeling a bit more excited. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely, I feel more confident in the team now. They're a year older, a year more experienced. We just, we have something about us now. You know what I mean? There's just, we have that swagger. You know, I, I really like the look of this team right now and just the overall confidence and mentality. We're soaring right now. What are we, like 11, 4, and 1 now? I forget. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was off memory too. That felt good. Even though I do have the box score on another tab, but I did, I pulled that out of memory and I will admit it. So feels really good. You know, we're, we're buzzing right now and great way to end the, end the sweep. You know, that's, that's a word we didn't even use this episode yet, but that was a sweep. You know what I mean? Like, yep. that's great to see. We needed a sweep. We needed the theoretical six points and we got them. So great to see. It was great to see a couple more notes about this game. Uh, this, this one was one for the hotheads on the ice. At the end of the, the second period, we saw Lucas Vanderboys get really frustrated, get a slashing call called on him. Uh, they really got under Lucas Lucas Mercury's skin. Um, guy was kind of holding his stick on the ground, and Mercury wasn't able to pick him up. Just kind of uh, laid, laid into the guy's head on the ice. It wasn't a wasn't a great look. He got a minor call there, so 
Uh, the two UMass enforcers, I would say, Vanderboys and Mercury, were in the box at the same time. That was uh, pretty funny. And then later on in this game, Caleb Huffman on Alaska Anchorage. He's kind of a, a thorn in the ref side for this whole game. Earlier in the game, he had uh, launched a puck down the ice because he was upset with a, with a call. The, the refs were so upset they made him go skate and get it. Later in this game, no later in this game in the third period, he uh, arguing with refs. What uh, was a pretty clear icing? He he thought otherwise. He was arguing with the refs, and the the refs tossed him from this game. The the no call once play got started up was uh, ten minute game misconduct for abuse of the officials. Haven't seen that one in person yet, but yeah, this game was definitely one for the hotheads out there. Dude, that is insane. There's actually something that I do want to met or talk to you about because I remember you sent me a text while I was at my my work holiday party yesterday, which is why I couldn't make it to the game. Um, apparently Moro got like an embellishment call, and he, like, yep, the the call yeah, was technically a dive. So so they straight up called a legitimate dive without a matching penalty. To go- so they called embellishment essentially, but without an original call correct so, so literally the worst of both worlds if you will yes like i don't think i've ever seen that before usually whenever there's an embellishment call it's you know it's usually a matching yeah and we saw a lot of that in the vermont series which by the way i'm pretty sure that video that we posted up on our instagram got like 180k views now and like four thousand <laughs> likes like the video genuinely went viral hockey East rest need to figure it out just throwing that out there mm-hmm. but what the hell is that you know what i mean like who knows? He could have just actually lost his balance. You know, like how is losing your balance a penalty? Granted, I didn't see it. I'm completely spitballing here. What What is your take, Cam? Because I'm curious. I'm actually going to give some credit to the refs on this one. In real time, I was upset. Uh, not going to okay. lie. I was yelling, saying, what is that? No, no offsetting there. Like the Hockey East special, we mm-hmm. like to say. I went back home. I, I pulled up the stream and took a look at it. Moro, Moro was really dramatic on this one. Uh, kind of just, just locked up with a guy. It's how hockey works. Sometimes you get crossed up with guys. He flailed his arms up, like completely like tossed his legs out in front of it. It was pretty dramatic, I'll, I'll be honest, and I think it probably did deserve that call. It looked like something out of like a cartoon. Like there's yeah. no... Oh, man. Yeah. Come on, Moro. All you, right. You know I'm one to jump on the refs and say yep. that's a BS call. I, I think that one was kind of deserved right there. See, that right there tells you. At high character, we can be impartial. We can we we can throw out the Homer gene every now and then. We we know what's going on. So I appreciate that, Cam. I wanted, you know, I wasn't sure what your legitimate opinion would have been. Yeah. So it's good to hear. We have a little bit of sanity here at high character still. We're not just roasting the rest for no reason. We can be objective at times. So exactly. Very, very good. But uh Sounds like we wrapped up the game pretty well there, unless you've got anything else to talk about. Well, I got a Carvey quote to wrap up the game. Oh, of course. Um, How could I forget? Yep. He said, obviously a much different game than last night. Although the score wasn't lopsided, I thought our guys played a very good defensive game. We didn't give up a lot. I was very happy with that part. After last night's game, it could feel a little frustrating that you're not scoring, but this group has shown numerous times this year that they can go into the third period, and you could feel Mm -hmm. on the bench that they know they're going to find a way to score, and that's what it felt like tonight. We had two really good goals there at the end to pull away, but I give Alaska a lot of credit for coming back after last night's game. This is what I expected. I expected both nights to be like tonight. They play hard. They make you earn everything, and they played much better tonight. I'll give them a lot of credit. And, yeah, this this makes a lot of sense. We were very surprised with the outcome on Friday, given that uh, coming into this game, obviously Alaska Anchorage, not one of the better teams in the country. They're in the bottom half of pairwise, but they had a one nothing win against, at the time, number one team in the country, Wisconsin. 
So uh, they're definitely solid. They have they have a lot of uh, good parts about their game. I think that that travel dilemma definitely might have might have hurt them on Friday. But I agree with Coach. It was good to get two solid wins against this team who uh, was playing maybe worse than they should have on Friday night. Again, another another spot on quote from Carvey. You know, like I mean, so for the first game, I remember me and you we did score predictions. I think you said six one. Yeah, was, was your expectation? I think I said it was like five two or something like that. Or you know, I was expecting fairly comfortable wins, right? But we weren't expecting eleven two. You know, I don't. I think if if any of us, if either one of us were to ever give a double digit score prediction, we, we'd have to get drug tested. Like like <laughs> something something's wrong there. But it happened. But realistically you know a team's gonna bounce back like this you know they're not just gonna roll over and die it's not what a d1 program's meant to do you know they're gonna they're gonna give it their all in the second game try and get a little bit of redemption i feel like they gave themselves at least from from what i'm hearing from you Kim, and just kind of the overall box score they gave themselves a pretty good a pretty good account of themselves in the second game you know yep. they they definitely bounce back a little bit you know not to the extent of like rabble where he won the bounce back award i think last episode but these guys bounce back in a little bit of a different way. Still didn't get the dub, but I feel like you gotta you gotta appreciate the the fight a little bit. You know what I mean? They they gave us a bit of a run for our money in the second game. You know they they kept it close. You know competitive. So it's really all you can ask for. So overall, great series out of UMass. Very happy that we got the two dubs. But Alaska showed up to play us at least in that second game for sure. Yeah, they did. And I think before we hop into awards, we should maybe talk about bigger picture as this is the end of the the first half of the season. Yes, one sir. half one half done. UMass finishes off 11-4 and 1. I think that's a lot better than any mm-hmm. of us would have expected going into this season. I know if you listen back to our schedule preview, I don't even know exactly what we predicted, but it was not 11-4. I'm, I'm pulling one. it up right now. I'm trying um, to find my document. Yeah, I, I'd love to hear what we had to say. Uh, and more specifically, these last four games against Harvard, Vermont, and then two against Alaska Anchorage, we came into those four games saying UMass needs to take three out of four and close out the season on a high note. They did exactly that. They took three out of four, and the one loss that they did take was probably best-case scenario. It was the only Hockey East opponent in Vermont, and you still get the one point for losing in overtime. So it uh, seems like if you get three out of four, that's the best-case scenario there. Um, did exactly what we hoped they would to close out on a strong note, and this team looks really solid. I think they could uh, fix a few things and get even better for the second half. I am so mad at myself. I can't find the document on my computer right now. I oh, don't man. know what I did with it, but I will spitball here a little bit and give a general recount of uh, of what I said. Definitely wasn't this good. I'll tell you that right now. That was yep. this, that were blowing away my expectations. I think at this point in the season, if I remember correctly, I was expecting maybe five hundred. You know what I mean? Like, because yep. I, th- I think I think at the end of the season, I think I had us. So it's like almost a five hundred team. Like I say, maybe slightly above it. We might have had like two or three wins above five hundred. Yeah, so, we had a, we had a really difficult schedule in this first half. Yeah. Like this was an extremely tight schedule. Like I don't know what's the uh I'm trying to think of like the overall like metric that they, it's like Cratch or something. Like it's like K R A C H. I think it's yeah. a uh, it's a metric from uh, I think it's like College Hockey News and it's essentially I think like a strength of schedule type metric. And I'm willing to bet that we are in the upper end of that. You know, like Hockey East is a friggin' bloodbath this year. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. We have how many ranked teams right now? I think five or six. Like, and that's like yeah. in the top 15, I'm pretty sure. Like, so BC is filthy, but we haven't played them yet. BU is nice. We have played them. And that was, that was a split. No, we, we took it. That was two points out of that, right? 
Uh, we actually we got. Uh, yeah, no, it was one point. There was a okay. shootout loss. Okay, and then we game. and then we lost the other one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, that's against probably a top five team right now. We yeah. swept Providence. That was huge. You know what I mean? Like that's an absolutely monumental dub right there. Um, who else have we played? Why am I blank? So we played Vermont what three times now? Did you and, did you mention Michigan? Not well. I, I'm just going through hockey East right now. Yeah. But yeah. No. Like like Michigan as well. That's an absolutely huge opponent. Um, we we've had some really really tough games so far, and for us to be in the position that we're in, like, is absolutely insane. Real realistically, uh, if things had gone uh, best case scenario in this first half, this this could be a team that's 13 two and one. Um, the two losses against Vermont are going to sting a little bit. Yeah, how you look at it at the end of the season, um, you really would have liked to get wins against that team, but they're pretty scrappy this year. Um, they they played well against us, so yeah, the the potential for this team going forward in the second half. Uh, I wouldn't say the schedule gets any lighter. Uh, we have the potential for two ranked opponents in Lake Placid. We still have BC. We still have Maine on the road. So schedule is not getting any easier. Easier, but I I really like our chances as we as we move through here. Just got to keep up the pace. Uh, as of right now, this is a for sure NCAA tournament team, which you love to see. As it's yeah, that that's the that's the really really big thing to take away here is just the overall postseason implications. You know, like we. If we keep on the trajectory that we're at right now, we're kind of—I don't think we've—we haven't been ranked higher than what tenth so far. Yep. So I think there's can, a very legitimate shot at number nine next week, just because. I think so. I agree. Yep. That's that's huge, but I mean, it. You know, let me let, let me take a look at the actual schedule here. What what does UMass got on the schedule? So, we we have the Lake Placid tournament. I'm more or less so. Let's see here. So I mean, 18th Cornell. I don't know how they're going to be. You know by the time that we actually play them. I don't know if uh, Ivy schools or like ECAC schools play during this break to catch up on the games that they missed through the first like month of the season because they start their season late, but they could be ranked fairly high. We very well could be playing against, you know, probably a top 15 team in Arizona state the, the following day, assuming we beat Cornell. So that right there, another two massive ranked opponents. We play against UConn. Let's be honest, UConn's a little stinky this season. They have not been performing up to expectations. But then we play Merrimack, who, again, I think has been a bit stinky. Like, we have a very – I don't want to say soft because Hockey East is still a very, very good conference. But we go up against UConn, Merrimack twice, Northeastern, then Merrimack again. Those, I'm pretty sure, are the bottom three teams in Hockey East right now. Got to get your wins there for sure. That right there would be absolutely monumental for our hockey standings. You know what I mean? Like, I think we're hovering right at the middle of the pack right now. I think we have a couple games in hand on a couple other schools. So we have some opportunity to move up there. And then, you know, we go, we go and play Maine. Luckily it's at home, which is, which is encouraging. And then we have two more games against UConn right there. If, if things go well and we play as good as we possibly can against Maine, I'm telling you, bro, I, I would not be shocked if we win our next seven. I know that yeah. sounds insane, right? Like, you know, to go on a 7-0 run like that. But with the way that we're playing and the people that, w- that we're going up against, I mean, you're hoping that we don't have Vermont-type losses, but we look really, really good for our schedule going forward for the next month and a half or so. Yeah, and then uh, you got some some Titans at the end. You got BC home and home. And yeah, then I didn't two, want to get into two that. games on the road with Maine. 
if you can get yourself in a good pairwise situation before those games, uh, even lot, I mean, it, assuming that they hold their spots, I think they're legitimately number two and three right now. Yeah. Uh, no, four, three and four right now in the pairwise, those two teams. So um, if you can get yourself in a good situation before those games, those outcomes might not even matter that much in terms of specifically pairwise. Obviously, Hockey East standings uh, will play a, a, a big role there. But yeah, I, I, I like our chances, especially if we can play like we did here in this first half. Love to see it for sure. All right. So uh, what do you say we hop over to awards now for these two games against Alaska Anchorage? Yeah, I think we had enough of a tangent. We still have to yep. wrap it up with some awards here. So yep. let's let's get into it. All right. So first award, CCC Carvel's Character and Compete Player of the Series. Uh, it was kind of a no-brainer for us. Idar Sunyev, five points in game one. I From everything that we can find, that's a freshman record for points in a game. So congratulations there, setting a UMass program record. He scored the go-ahead goal to make it two to one on Saturday night. So, um, very nice weekend, three-goal weekend from him. And we we talked about it a little bit before, but he's just on fire right now, and uh, great to see going into the second half of the year. Hope he can keep it up. He's starting to hit his stride, man. You know what I mean? Like this, this right here. I think this series is going to be the start. I mean, granted, he's going to have a little bit of time to cool off between now and the next game, but. I think he's going to start turning a corner a bit. You know, we, we we touched upon it briefly before. I don't want to say like a slow start to the season. I mean, I guess a little bit. You know what I mean? I feel like mm-hmm. basically most freshmen, Sands, Jack, Musa, your Musa, have been a little, you know, I wouldn't even say slow. I think Musa has just been insanely good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. They're basically doing how a freshman should be doing in, in hockey's play. So, you know, a little bit slow, but he has picked it up tremendously recently. And I think he's only going to keep getting better. You know, like we saw flashes of what he could do. We've seen his shot before. He just needs to control it a little bit better. You know, he he needs to just mature, I feel like. You know, he was snatching at his chances early. It kind of seems like, you know, he was having a bit of uh, what Kenny Connors is doing this season as well. Like just having open looks and just kind of not being fully focused, you know, just like, you know, puck explodes off a stick or, you know, he whiffs on a shot or something. I think he's really starting to put it all together and, I wouldn't be that surprised if he ends up being our goal leader by the end of the season. You know, I, I think he has, you know, the full potential of doing so. I think I might have predicted it at the beginning of the season because that's just the type of skill set that he has, and we saw it on full display this weekend. Yeah, he's currently tied for the team lead in goals with a fellow freshman, Jack Musa. So That'll do it. Great to see. It'd be nice to see those two battle it out for a goal leader. Oh, at the that'd end be a of the treat. Uh, but, yeah, congratulations, Idar Suniev. He played fantastic this weekend. Yes, sir. All right. Next award is the Good Try UMass Award. Somebody who we think can do a little bit better next time out there. Uh, a little tricky when you score 14 goals on the weekend, get two dubs and a sweep uh, to find a guy. We're giving this one to uh, Nicholas Van Tassel. He had the the headbutting call in the first game. Didn't play the second one likely because of that. So um, I guess I guess kind of easy one to give out here. You don't headbutt, dude. <laughs> yeah so to to steal a, a quote from a fan that was sitting behind us um who was wearing an alaska anchorage jersey she had yelled out that van tassel got van tossled and that kind of made <laughs> me die laughing a little bit i feel like that was a, that was a really really good quote and it, and it kind of sums it up you know what i mean like it wasn't like he played bad you know like i'm pretty sure he got his first point you know this like he, he ended up assisting on cam o'neill's goal so i mean yep. he got himself his first collegiate point but you get yourself tossed for a boneheaded penalty. Again, we're nitpicking here. You know what I mean? Like it was a dumb play regardless, but 
if, if he didn't do that, I mean, there's really nobody that we could give it to. You know, like I feel like everybody played really well overall on the weekend. So, yeah, kind of a kind of a crappy one to give, but it is what it is at the end of the day. You know, it's it was deserved. So, it is. You know, he got it, but whatever. You know, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, not the end of the world. All right, let's uh let's move on to our custom awards. Do you want to lead us off? I will do that. It's funny that you say lead off because this is a this is a baseball oriented award. So I'm giving this one to Donslo Schmelis, our our wonderful Latvian leader, and I'm giving him the Gold Glove Award. Um, on his I think was it the first or the second goal? The it was the second goal. I'm pretty sure yep. that he scored in the first game. Dude, literally sitting in the faceoff dot, catches a pop fly in the outfield, drops it to his twig, and then nips one. You know, like he he, it was all one completely fluid motion. He could have got a double play if he was in the infield. You know, <laughs> like it was such a great play, just the transition from the glo- the the glove literally to the floor for him to sh- for him to shoot the puck was probably one of the quickest hand eye coordination moves I had ever seen. Great goal, you know, to fit it. I think it was under. I don't even remember the goalie's name. He was number 33 and he was Hungarian. That was all I remember. It was like Oros or something like that. I forget. But he put it right underneath his glove. You know, great shot from Loschmelis. You know, I've said it before. I think he has a lot to give to this team. He has a very unique skill set, I feel like, with just how defensively responsible he is. And this is a great, you know, he's a turnover machine. He's able to just somehow find the puck on his twig in the offensive zone at any given moment. He just needs to work on the finishing a little bit, and he he finished his chances, you know, this weekend for sure. So really, really great, you know, great way to score, but a bit of a unique one where he's kind of catching it out of the out of midair like that. So that's why I'm giving him the gold glove award. Yep. And we've uh we've given out a ballon d'or to uh yeah. Mercury soccer award, the gold glove to Lushmelis baseball award. We're we've got a lot of multi-sport athletes on this uh yes, sir. this year. All right, I'm gonna give out the magic transmission award. Um, obviously the transmission changes gears in a car, um, and kind of car related Taylor Mukar is going to win this one. Uh, he just found an extra gear somehow found an extra gear in this game. Um, he played incredibly down the stretch here, the third period. Uh, Obviously we already talked about it. He got that goal to, to push the lead to three to two or three to one. Sorry. And, uh, at one point with less than two minutes left, UMass clearly looked like they were about to ice the puck. He had been on the ice for a good two minutes already. He really bumped it into that second gear. Somehow skated past the Alaska Anchorage skater to uh, to have this icing waved off. I was really impressed with how he played this whole series, but specifically at the end of game two here. He was fun to watch. Dude, that's probably the cheesiest award name I've ever heard. <laughs> Like it was, it was a Gouda award name, but it was so cheesy. So I'm I'm mad, but. Nah, you, you you touched on all the on, on all the correct points, you know, in that award. Like his hustle has been ridiculous this season. Like he like whatever I used to think about hustle, right? I'm thinking of Ryan Lautenbach, and I still do. Don't get me wrong, but Makar is right there. You know what I mean? Like he again. I feel like there's a lot of things about his game that I mean, maybe maybe not us. I feel like we don't sleep on it as much because we definitely give him his props. But just in like you know general consensus like you know umass twitter posting and you know stuff that i just kind of see online i feel like people don't really talk about Makar all that much like i don't know maybe i'm missing something but just it it seems like you know he kind of i'm not gonna say like falls under the radar per se but just like people don't really like pinpoint him as like being like 
the guy, you know, that's like doing this type of stuff. Like, I feel like he's, he's so good at many different things that people won't pinpoint one thing. They'll just kind of talk about him like all around, if that makes sense. Cause he is really solid at a lot of different things, kind of a Jack of all trades, if you will. But yeah, man, like his hustle has been absolutely huge to this team. Like we have a lot of hustle guys, you know, you need to have hustle guys on a winning team. And I feel like that's what this team has a bit more than last season. Like we have, you know, a little bit more hustle, but we also have skill to supplement the hustle. And Taylor McCarr brings both of those. You know, you can have hustle guys, you can have skill guys, but if you have a guy that can do both, it is a beautiful thing. And he he's been he's been doing that, you know, this season and especially in the series. Yeah, he has and I uh he kind of quiet first half of the season. Um not showing up too much on the score sheet, but definitely see his hustle. Um, his his end to end rushes are always fun. He's good for about one of those a game too. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we could see him show up a little bit more on the score sheet here in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely hoping for that. I mean, that's kind of the one thing that I feel like could be kind of like a knock on him is like he has maybe two really really good offensive zone plays or like rush plays a game but it's just they never really come to any end product. Like, he is the epitome of, like, you see him with the puck and you go, oh, okay, what yeah. are you going to do? Oh. You know, like, it's just there's, the end product isn't there. Like, I'm going to throw out a crazy, you know, if we have any soccer fans listening in, there's a player who used to play for my for my favorite club called Wolverhampton, and his name was Adama Traore. His entire persona was he's very fast and he's very strong he's not a very technical player, you know, like he just will go down the wing the entire game, outspeed everybody, but then he can't actually score or assist anything. I'm not saying that that's Taylor, but I'm saying we, I see flashes of that comparison where there's just, he has all the speed, all the, you know, all the ability in the world. He's a, he's a physical monster, but it's just at the, on the end, you know, when you look at the box score at the end of the game, he's just not getting the goals or the assists, you know, and that's what see. But I think he will eventually get rewarded. You know, like Harvey says it, it's probably plastered all over the locker room. You get what you deserve. He deserves a lot, man. He has put in the work and he deserves a lot. He hasn't got it just yet, but I think we're definitely going to see that towards the second half of the season because he gets put in positions to succeed and he gets rewarded every now and then. But I think he should get a lot more than he currently does. And I really do think it'll happen when we look at the, the next half of the season. Yeah, and uh, we haven't talked about it a ton, but I think we have to appreciate how he's cut the penalties down this year as well. Yeah. Six on the season um, in 16 games. So yeah. much, be much better clip than he was at last year. Yeah, no, that wasn't even – that's a really, really good point that I didn't even think about. Like, we were still harping on him a little bit at the start of the season because I feel like it was warranted. He was being a little bit of an idiot in the beginning of the season, but he has cleaned it up tremendously. Mm -hmm. Like he looks a lot more disciplined, you know, he, he, and the, the thing that gets me is that like, it's because he doesn't have to take penalties. Like he, he's the number one guy on this team. He shouldn't be taking any penalties because he's probably one of the best skaters on the team. You know what I mean? Like he has so much agility and speed. There's literally play it like the, the play that I always think about when it comes to not taking a penalty is Kale McCarr in Manchester. Mm. He there was there was a play, I think it was Harvard. They were basically on like a two on oh breakaway, and Kale just slides up behind him with he's literally just gliding and he's going double the guy's speed and he just lifts his stick and picks the puck away and just goes. That's what that's what Taylor can do. You know, like Taylor has that type of speed about him. The only reason why you should be taking a penalty is if you get beat. 
Taylor McCarr should not be getting beat because he has the skating ability to do it. So I'd like to see him not take any penalties the rest of the season because I don't think he needs to. But obviously it's a game of hockey. Things are going to happen. He might have to take a desperation penalty every now and then. But he hasn't been taking stupid ones, and that's been really, really good to see. So very happy to see that. That's a great point, Cam. Thank you for bringing it up. Absolutely. Uh, what do you say we uh, finish up here and, and move on to the next games for you? Yes, man? sir. Well, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be three weeks from now, but I am definitely excited to talk about it because it'll be a fun trip for sure. Yeah. So uh, this is now UMass Hockey's winter break. There will be three weeks without games. Happens every year. It's kind of tough to yeah have games every weekend and then have none for three weeks. But uh, we do go through it every year. Next games will be at Lake Placid. I believe it's the Adirondack Invitational. In Lake Placid, Ooh. New York, the site of the 1980 Winter Olympics, uh, which is pretty awesome. And the first opponent will be Cornell. Cornell coming in ranked 18th in the country right now, I believe. Uh, they are 22nd in the pairwise, so a pretty solid team. 6-4-1. and one. Um, get it, Nice to get a ranked opponent on the schedule for this first game here. But uh, yeah, should be should be very interesting. First game, first game back in a while. 4 p.m. on a Friday. Uh, up in Lake Placid, we will be there traveling up there. So looking forward to see anybody, uh, any other UMass fans that are taking the trip. So should be should be a great game to kick off the second half. Yeah, I mean, really solid opponent. Um, Cornell, I mean, I'm pretty sure I roasted them towards the beginning of the season because they were ranked very highly when they played like almost no games. I do this with every like ECAC school because they start so late. But I think they had a one first place ranked vote after that yeah. game or something. Like what is going on here? Like can the voters be normal for once? But regardless, I'm not going to harp on them. We, we have a good sample size of games. I feel like they're appropriately ranked. They're a very, very solid team. They deserve to be ranked. They're one of the top teams in the ECAC. You know, I mean, they just they just beat BU at uh, – at- Madison Square Garden. Yeah, that's so. what I'm saying. Like, like, like when they're at their, you know, when when they have their home games, they are a formidable opponent. You know, they're going to be in upstate New York. Pretty sure Cornell's in New York, right? That like, yeah. um, that's why they play at Madison Square Garden. Okay, I I'm believe. not as stupid as I look. That that feels good. But yeah, I mean, I still feel like you know we're going to have a good contingency of fans up there. You know, we're going to have a lot of a lot of guy. You know, whenever UMass travels, UMass fans show up. You know, we're going to be there. We're going to have a lot of UMass Twitter there. It's going to be a fun weekend for sure. You know, really, really historic area. We're going to be playing against a good team. Like Cornell, their goalie, Ian Shane, you know, he looks pretty solid. He has some really, really good stats on the year. It looks like he's played This is his third season playing for Cornell. Hasn't had a goals against average lower than a 1.8. <laughs> You're actually a 1.9 because he's had a 1.85 this season. But Cornell and a lot of the Ivy League schools tend to have very, very good defenses. Like Quinnipiac, I'm pretty sure, like a couple years ago, their goalie, Yannick Peretz or Perret, however the hell you say it, he's like French or whatever, um, had like, it was like a, it was like a 1.1 goals against average. Like they are always very defensively responsible. So I'm very interested to see how our offense is going to stack up against them because I think we might have the, the tendency to get a little bit frustrated at times. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, in those third periods, we've come out on top, you know, when it matters the most for the most part. So I'm hoping, you know, we might have some nail biters of some games up in Lake Placid, but I'm really hoping that we can come out on the winning end because, yeah, it, it'll be, you know, two really important games, especially for the pairwise implications. So we'll we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited. Yeah, they do look pretty good defensively. They only give up 2.3 goals per game. Um, their power play is not great. Uh, less than 15%. Their penalty kills not great. They're giving up goals over 20%. 
Um, we've had a good power play this year, so that could help us. They're really good in the face-off dot. Um, an identical uh, 54% UMass and Cornell, both 54%. So um, should yeah, should be interesting. They're definitely score less than UMass. UMass a little more offensive focused this season. So should should be a fun matchup. I expect it to stay close the whole way, um, and we'll, we'll see how it shapes up. But second game of this Lake Placid series, we don't know the opponent. We don't want to deep dive without knowing the, the opponent. It's either going to be Clarkson or Arizona State. Clarkson is unranked Arizona State. It's had a really fantastic year. Um, might be might be a little weird in the rankings because they've had so many home games. Kind of see to kind of going to see how they fare on the road coming into kind of the middle of nowhere in New York. But yeah, should be should be a fantastic weekend. Same, are we looked into it? Same arena that the Miracle on Ice happened. So um, some cool storytelling there. Uh, should be should be a fun time. Yeah, the only thing I will add is that I this is going to sound insane, but Cam, hear me out. I hope we play Arizona State. Yeah, me too. So, well, all right. Can you explain why you want that to happen? Like, is there is there a specific reason for it, or is it just you think Arizona State's cool and you just want to play against them? Because I don't. I think we've only played against them once, and that was a couple years ago. I Um, just, I just want the best possible opponents on our record, so you can look back at our resume at the end of the season and know that we've played good people, and also for the the test of the team playing a better opponent. Okay, so I have a different reason. That it will be a very quick explanation, but if you don't mind, I'd like to go into it. Sure. So Arizona State is an independent school. They basically make their own schedule. They have had a very peculiar schedule this season. I don't remember the exact statistics. I don't, I'm kind of coming up with this on the spot, but they, I think over the course of the season are going to play like 85% of their games at home. Like they have an extremely home oriented schedule for who they, you know, who they're going to face this season. I think this Lake Placid trip is going to be a, a bit of a wake-up call for them. I'm pretty sure this team this season has been not good away from home. Like, mm-hmm. in their relatively small sample size, like, they are very, very highly ranked right now. They have a ton of wins, but that's because I think almost every single one of their wins has been at their home arena. They are a homer team. They are obviously very comfortable where they're at at their newly built arena that I'm pretty sure also houses the Arizona Coyotes, which I think is very funny, but... You know, they they are very home-oriented. I think we have a very, very good shot against, as you said, Cameron, a very strong opponent that will definitely bump up our resume for sure. But I think we genuinely have a very good chance of beating that team because of just the overall kind of schedule that they've set up for themselves. I feel like home games are definitely more suited for them, and this would definitely not be a home game for them being in upstate New York when they're coming all the way from, what is it, Tucson, Arizona? I forget where they're posted up. It is. But, okay, yeah. So or Temp- Tempe, Arizona, sorry. They are going to be a long way from home, and I don't think that will bode well for them. So I'm curious to see how it shakes out, but if I if I was a betting man, if I was you know able to pick this, I, I would like to play against Arizona State. That might bite me in the ass later. I don't know, but that's where I stand currently. For what it's worth, they uh, their most recent games have been against Dartmouth, their opponent. Um, oh wait, no, it's Clarkson. Sorry, I keep thinking it's Dartmouth that you keep. Yeah, you've been saying that a lot. Yeah, I think it's. I think I just get the green teams mixed up. It, it yeah, the conference it green teams. So yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes there. I think they're. I was looking at their schedule. One, two, and one away from home. So very small sample size there, but we'll we'll see how it goes. For sure. All right, so uh, you want to jump into Hockey East out-of-town scores, and then we'll get out of here? Yes, sir. Let's get uh, it. So an interesting weekend 
a lot of non-conference games on the schedule over the weekend. So some pretty interesting results. Maine beats Union 3-1 to one, uh, on the road. Knew that was going to happen with how Maine's playing this season. Uh, Union also went into Vermont. Um, they, they had a tough schedule. Union played Maine on Wednesday. They go into Vermont Friday and Saturday. And, oh, no, Vermont loses 5-4. to four, um, Really drops them lower in the pairwise. Doesn't help UMass's pairwise them losing. Uh, they are able to salvage it and win game two, four to one. We see oh another tough result. Yale, who's even worse than Union in the pairwise, beating yeah. Merrimack five to two. That's that's a really bad outcome for Merrimack. They're having a really disappointing season um, based on the where they were expected to be. Uh, another disappointing outcome. UMass, uh, UMass Lowell played Holy Cross for two. Uh, it was a home and home. They tied the first one uh, at at Lowell. In the second one, Holy Cross beats them four to two. So um, not looking great Jeez. for some of the teams there at the bottom of Hockey East. Another team at the bottom of Hockey East, Northeastern. They played one game against Brown on the road. They're able to win four to one there. Um, who else? Let's see. We have UNH. They beat RPI one nothing at home. Pretty expected. Maine played Bentley. They beat him three to two at home. Thought that score would be a little bit more uh, lopsided. Uh, that game was actually in Portland, Maine, not at their home uh, Alfond Arena. So interesting Ooh. there. And then the the biggest game on the Hockey East schedule was Saturday afternoon, BC against Providence yep. at Conti. Uh, BC wins five to four. Really solid game, sellout there at Conti. So that's. I think far and away the the biggest game on the hockey schedule, but a lot of interesting and a lot of tough out of conference results for the conference. Yeah, I think the one I'm going to hone in on is the Yale result because if mm. I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure Yale was ranked like 61 or like 62 in pairwise at the time of that game. Even, even right now, they're 60th. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like that is probably the worst result that you could get. You know, yeah. like, January, like, I don't actually know. I don't have the pairwise pulled up in front of me, but, like. I do. Um, it, what's the lowest team? Is it Stonehill? Stonehill's 0-15, yeah. Yeah, that's what I figured. Okay, so, yeah. And then, so, what are they, 62nd? 64. 64. Oh, why am I, what the hell? Why am I losing track how many schools there are? So, do you know the teams that are in between Stonehill and Yale right now? I'm just curious. There's only two, Ferris State and Robert Morris. Good Lord, man. So, yeah, if you're getting lumped in with, you know, those schools, dude, and you're losing, like, Yale stinks this season. So that's a huge result. Like, that that makes That makes our games uh, against Merrimack incredibly important. Like, we could <laughs> free fall if we lose to yeah, them. Yeah, if we, if we look at, like, the circle of parity that always happens, like, if – if if we lose to Merrimack, that means that Yale is better than us. You know, like, no, that, no, that, no, that, no. that is that's an insane take. So let's let's hope that that doesn't happen. You know, we have we have a little bit of time to figure that to figure that out. But yeah, man, that's an absolutely insane score. I'm really hoping that you know the bottom half of hockey East can kind of pick it up a little bit because I saw they 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 make a graphic that gets posted to Twitter every now and then, and it'll be like every team sorted by their pairwise. But then they also group it by conference. And Hockey East is extremely top loaded. Mm -hmm. Like we have like five or six teams in the top 15 or 20 in pairwise, which is nuts. Like no other conference can say that, even be close to say that, you know. But the bottom half is a little stinky. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we gotta, we gotta kind of, I mean, I personally don't really care all that much because we can just beat those teams and we're good. You know what I mean? But 
as a conference, if you look at everything, you know, like you, we want to go up against the best teams that we can. I'm not saying that I'm rooting for these teams to win because I don't really care about them. But if you look at it purely from a pairwise perspective, you want you want those teams to do well. So if you're losing against Yale, man, that's a tough look. So it, yeah, it really that's, that's the main one for me. Yeah, and I know uh, the first half of this season, I said we're not going over hockey East standings until the second half. I guess it's technically the second half now. So yeah. I'll just I'll just go through them real quick. Um, BU's. I'm kind of running away with it a little bit. 23 points in first place. Uh, BC's in second with 19. Maine in third with 16. Providence fourth with 15. UNH 13. UMass 12. UConn also 12. Uh, and then Lowell and Vermont with 10. Merrimack with five. And Northeastern. Merrimack with nine. And Northeastern with five. Northeastern's one and eight in conference, which is their one win against BC, funny enough. Oh um, man! So yeah, like you'd expect, the the six teams that are in the top, um, sixteen I believe of pairwise are all there in the top six of the hockey East standings. Um, little bit of a discrepancy in games played, so yeah, uh, we're gonna have to wait and see how that um how that fixes itself. UMass has eight. There's a lot of teams with nine and ten, so UMass yep. does have a few games in hand. We'll see how it goes, but yeah, standings look exactly how you'd expect them to right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like UMass is in a very good position so far. Like, we have played against some of the best teams so far in hockey, you know, and we have held our own and then some. So it is very encouraging to see what we've done so far. You know, our our non-conference schedule at the beginning of the season, we we took care of business for the most part. You know, like that, that Michigan game obviously sucks, but we also beat them. You know what I mean? That was a split, so... You know, I know I'm kind of straying away from hockey East a little bit, but just, you know, throughout the overall first half of the season, UMass has been killing it. You know, I think we, you know, like like I touched upon like 10, 15 minutes ago, we have, I don't want to say cupcake games because that's what I thought was going to happen with Vermont and we ate our words, you know what I mean? But we have on paper the lower half of the schedule, you know, or the, the lower half of the standings to play against. I think we we have some very, very winnable games there. And like you said, you know, we have a couple games in hand. I think we can start gaining some ground on the on the upper echelon of a of hockey East and really start to cement our place, if you will, kind of, you know, that we we're a contender right now, you know, and I feel like people didn't expect that out of this team. So I'm very happy to be saying that right now. I didn't think I would be saying that. So it has been a very, very good start to the season so far. And I I you know, long may it live. You know what I mean? I'm really hoping we can continue it. So yeah, it's been great. UMass in sixth place right now. Remember, uh, fifth place is kind of that sweet spot you want to be in Hockey East at the end of the season. That's how you get a buy in the first round. Uh, fourth place is is really where you want to be because that'll get you a home game in that first round. You win that one and you go to the Garden. So that's kind of the goal um, that Hockey East teams will strive for at the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, that is everything we had. Um, thank you for listening to High Character this first half of the season. Uh, I think this team has blown our expectations away and it's been fun to fun to watch and really fun to talk about here on high character. So thank you for watching us. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We're not, we don't really have anything scheduled yet for um, the three weeks here. Uh, we're going to try to get an episode or two out to you guys in the meantime. So keep an eye on our socials for that. Thank you guys once again for listening and go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. We had a great first half of the season. Let's make sure we have a great second half of the season as well. See you guys in Lake Placid.